0: If you're doing it with people that you like, they're going to find business for you. They're going to be talking about it. And if they like you and you're not a dumbass, then you're going to get a phone call in the next week. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses, in less time while creating the life you want welcome to the agent power huddle
1: thank you for being here hunter Uh, i'm so excited for today do you know why tell me because you're one of my favorite human beings Come on, Jesse. You say that to all the guests. No, no, you re- you really are. So here's what we're doing today, guys. We've got Hunter McKay, who is here, who is a team leader, and uh, he used to run a team in multiple cities. We'll see what cities he's in these days because he did some pretty interesting things when the market shifted about a year ago, right? And we're going to talk about today. It's exactly what what the uh, the topic is today is pivoting with the market. Right, so I knew what he was working on a few months ago. I actually haven't heard some of his current strategy, so I want to see how some of the pivots worked, how something's different, what he's working, what isn't. And Hunter is one of the brightest people you will meet in real estate. sells a lot of houses with himself and his team, and I want to I want to know what's going on. Hunter, sound good? I really appreciate all the compliments, Jesse. I hope I can live up to the hype. (laughs) Don't believe the hype, right? Is that what that what they say? All right, don't don't drink the Kool Aid. So so let's let's kind of go backwards because I want to tell people kind of the evolution of this pivot then we can get to what you're working on today what you found what worked what didn't but what was what was your team set up like before interest rates started going up where were your leads coming from and what did you and, and how did you how did you pivot as the market started to shift
0: absolutely so i think we need to go all the way back to like december of 2019 because covid hadn't really happened yet you know i was starting to panic because I had always been a Zillow team. You know, for many years, I had doubled my volume consistently year after year with the only changes being spend more money on Zillow and hire more people to service those leads. And it was a really easy expansion. Unfortunately, we built way too heavy and way too quickly. And then one day I woke up and I had a $72,000 a month charge that hit my Chase credit card every month on the 26th. And I was like, this is more than some people make in an annual year. And it hits my credit card on the 26th of every month. And I want to throw up. And it didn't matter that I was making enough money. Like, I think one year we revenued almost one and a half million. And I wound up netting less than 150K, which was $100,000 less than my first year in the business when I sold significantly less homes, had significantly less stress did less, was expected to do less and made more and spent 90 days in Europe. And so I finally had this pivot that was like, okay, COVID's over, interest rates are going up, my market is already fucked and no one's admitting it yet. And so we're all going to need to pivot away from this like, shake the lowest branch of lead tree game and how can we feed a thousand people on our team? We can't. That was never the real estate game. There were like many hundreds of years where people operated in a very normal market that went up and down. And we did this thing called prospecting. Like we talked to people, we said, hi, I'm a real estate broker. Do you want to like be my client? And we walked up to completely random individuals like in grocery stores or at conferences or business networking meetings. And we shook their hands and said, hi, my name is Hunter McKay. Who are you? And then we stopped talking and we let them deliver who they were. And we figured out if that was a client we wanted to work with. And it was like a wild experience. And so I woke up and I said, I don't want to spend $72,000 a month. COVID started happening. And so we teared down our marketing. Everyone else was saying, tear up your marketing. It's going to be fantastic. And um, I think a lot of people have run out of money. I think a lot of people have fired all of their team. I know that I ran out of money. Um, I fired my team, especially the ones that were not prospecting. And so my 28 person team is now six people. Um, and I quite like it. Our team meetings are now coffees and lunches. You know, we have events and, uh, we spend $0 on marketing. That's not true. I buy Google pay-per-click now. And to me, that doesn't really count because it's not a real lead until you nurture it for like 37 months. (laughs) That's kind of a joke, but only a little bit.
1: Right. And, and the cost at a Google pay per click is so much lower than what you're paying that relative to you, it must feel like it's not spending money.
0: I mean, to put it into perspective, like my lead cost on Zillow, like when I got a phone call, not even a guaranteed escrow, but like a phone call, I would get off that phone call that was like, Hi, I want to buy a $62,000 mobile home. Will you take an FHA loan? It's on lease land. And I would get like six of those. And I'm like, Well, each of those phone calls cost me $2,700. And so to have a Google pay click, Budget that's like, hey, you're going to spend fifteen hundred dollars a month, and it's going to service enough lead flow for a team of six if you do it right. Uh, that that feels free to me.
1: <laughs> totally, and 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 th- we won't dive too into the, the PPC because I know that's not even where most of your business is coming from. So y- you just described the olden days of real estate, which cracks me up. Where you people would walk around and talk to each other. Uh, are, you're not literally just walking around and talking to random strangers, though, are you? Like, percent. Like, well, right. Okay, so tell me more.
0: So I think that like people have forgotten that everyone is a client. Like we don't sell cut Cutco knives. We're not door-to-door salesmen saying, hold on, can we just give you a ShamWow commercial? Like stand by for 10 minutes. We're so much more valuable than that. Like we build wealth for generations if our job is done properly. And so there's... A human being that you've interacted with today that either is going to buy a house in the next 360 days or knows at least two people who are going to buy a house in the next 360 days. They're probably going to deviate towards giving a lead to their sisters, cousins, brothers, uncles, dog washer, who just got a real estate license because they know them. And if you just took 10 minutes to meet them at the grocery store checker the bagger the person washing your car the person that just sat you at the table the host of the sushi restaurant every human being that you're interacting with right down to the parking garage attendant at the mall as you're paying that ticket stop interacting with the machines stop going to chain restaurants pick local places get a routine be a human being that's a part of your community Uh, I made a commitment this year that I was going to do less real estate and do more art because I got dragged to an art convention. And I started painting something that's really, really not my cup of tea and totally out of left field for me as a person. Um, It's humanized me, it's given me a thing to talk about that is not always real estate. And so now I'm like constantly talking about real estate. And if you should buy a duplex, or I'm talking about art, but it gives me a pivot that is like, something that people want to talk about that's not real estate and gives them an anchor point to who I am. And so now I'm the real estate person that does art, you know? And so if you want a piece of fine art for your new home, you come to me. It gives me a new draw in that's not the autistic calculator, which was always really helpful during COVID. But now people want a more emotional fluffiness to them. You know, I'm putting people in my backseat. I'm taking people to dinner. I had clients that were in from out of town and I said, Hey, do you want me to pick you up at the airport? And we'll go to dinner. And they said, on the day that we're not showing houses. And I said, well, well, sure. Don't you want to get to know me? And I'd like to get to know you. That way we can pick out a good home and then you have a very short time frame here. And that small two-hour window that I gave them is something that I traditionally wouldn't have given someone during COVID. We wouldn't have a restaurant to go out to, you know? And so retraining your brain to like, be a human and treat people like you're dating or courting them right from the get-go. The moment that you see a human being, that's someone that you should be courting. Have you talked to them? What's their name? Do they have a dog? Who are they dating? Where do they live? Is it a rental? Should they buy a rental? Should they be in a home that they own? What do you know about this person? And if you see them consistently, you should know everything about them. You should be the mayor of your own town. You're constantly running for mayor for the rest of your life.
1: I, I love it, Hunter. And and just because I'm want to give people some context as we dive into the, some of these things, is it working for you guys? Are you and your team? Like are you meeting people and, and cause I, I see on Facebook, I, I see your, your the, it is working, but I want you to explain it. Are you selling houses? Are you are you actually meeting people that need to buy and sell real estate?
0: Yeah, I would say that we're consistently selling, you know, me personally, three to four homes. Each of my team members are selling one to two, you know, the ones that are doing a, a month, doing, yeah. The The ones that are not, yeah. That's really good with no budget. No, it's really terrible, Jesse. We're really behind schedule. We're not going to hit goal this year. We're, We're picking life over product. Like I sold 168 homes last year. I'm so far off track. Like I will not hit any of my goals. I'm glad that I will hit icon next year. And I'm really okay with that because... If I hit icon, if I sell 30 homes, and each of my team members sells 10 to 12, we all get to eat. And this is a year where if we get to eat, we get to pay our bills, we get to meet people, we get to love our life. That's going to be so significantly better than the people that are drowning. you know. And I think that it's really reassessing priorities. This is not a year that I'm going to crush every boundary that's ever been set. I'm not going to reset the new table. I, it's not going to happen. I'm okay with that. I'm really excited to paint i'm excited to meet new people why why
1: do you why do you say i mean just because of the fact that there's home sales volume are down so much is is that why you're like look it's not worth trying to chase these big goals this year is it more of a a life priority for you or both
0: i think it's a little bit of both like it feels really unreasonable of me to ask my team that's now one-fourth the size that it was to crush the goal that we did last year in a market that was unseasonably unreasonable you know it's like It's asking the people at Salesforce to hit their 2021 targets, even though their book of business is melting. You know, Zillow, Salesforce originally had a target of please have a book of business growth of 3% quarter after quarter. The last target that any of the salespeople have admitted to me is a net loss not greater than 7.5%. And so when a national company issues a not greater than loss of a 7.5% for their sales agents, that indicates to me that there's not enough leads for the number of people in the ecosystem. And so one, I cannot buy leads from anyone no one who's selling me leads is telling me the truth. They are all in free fall. And so they're protecting their bottom line to the best of their ability. So one, they're all fired. Not a single one of them is telling me the truth. And so it doesn't matter if they meet metric or not, they're out. Two, what Google pay-per-click can you buy? Because know that you're competing with Zillow, Redfin, all of the other massive companies who have way bigger budgets than you. And so uh, to answer your original question, how many cities am I in? One, I work in Spokane, Washington. I am licensed in California. We have some deals in Sacramento. I have an agent in Sacramento who lives in Sacramento. He's not on my team. He's not even at eXp. I just sent him deals because he's competent. We have three or four partner agents in Seattle, all at eXp. They handle Seattle. I will not touch it. I do not want to go back. It is a rainy and sad city. I love it. I love that people love it. I love visiting it. It's not for me. When people ask me, should I live there? The answer is no. Unequivocally, you should live anywhere else. However, it's obviously the city that people love being in. And so I needed a team that serviced that area and wanted to be in that area and loves being in that area. So I got that. I know how to operate in Spokane. I love Spokane and I can walk up to anyone in Spokane and say, hello, my name is Hunter McKay. Do you own a house? And then I just stop talking. And it doesn't matter what the answer is. If the answer is yes, the next question is great. Do you own a rental? If the answer is no, the next question is great. When can we meet about selling you a house? And it doesn't matter if they say no. You once told me it's not about them saying yes to the event. It's about you inviting enough people that way eventually you get the yeses. It's the same as agent attraction. You're just client attracting. We got really, really lazy as agents about client attracting. They just fell out of the trees for many years. And they fell out of the trees qualified because if you had a job and a credit score and a heartbeat, the interest rates were low enough. At this point, I have eight clients this week that are coming off of a $99,000 mobile home listing in a park. It's gonna be a lot of work this week, but I have six clients that I think are very qualifiable to buy a thing, and so we'll work with those clients.
1: I love it. I hope you guys are enjoying this. I love talking to you, Hunter. All right, I do want to ask a couple of questions about the PPC that you set up, the pay-per-click. And then I want to ask go back to the when you started doing those coffee dates and posting on Facebook. And I want you to explain that idea and then see where that, if that, did you continue it? Did you stop it? how that went? So let, let's talk first a, a few minutes on the PPC. Um, did you set it up yourself, your Google pay-per-click? Did you hire someone? And like, is it just one of those, like set it up, put long-term campaigns? What, what's your, what's your vision with it?
0: Yeah, so I used Brian Short um, and he was uh, commonly referred to me as someone who was more sarcastic and condescending than myself. And so if I could stomach working with him, he was the most brilliant person for Google PPC. Um, I took a meeting with him. He told me I was stupid and that I needed to do more research before I worked with him. Um, Not in those words, but that was how I felt. Um, And I felt very uh, respectful in that moment. And I went, I was just educated and I'm going to go do some Googling. Um, I can honestly say that I still don't really know what Brian Short does. Um, but I do know that he is a very competent human being who is a relevant piece to why we're being successful right now. Um, you can go set up your own PPC. I'm sure that there's someone on the call who's competent enough in marketing to figure it all out. I personally wouldn't waste the time, I would hire Brian. um, And then basically, you pay him a management fee. And he does not take a portion of the ad spend, you actually pay him a flat rate, which I appreciate, because it means that if I spend more on my ad spend, it's all going to the ad spend, where if you buy it from Ylopo or Sierra, or really any of those network sites, you have controls in there that will really torture you as you get into a larger account. If you're a small account, it'll work. If you're never going to spend more than $1,500 a month, it's okay. But ultimately, I've been testing how can I scale my company back up to size when I want to with leads that are really under my own control rather than being under Zillow's control. And so that means buying the raw data, getting the Mickey Mouse 55555 and scrubbing those out and knowing that at least 80 to 90% of your leads are absolute hot steaming piles of garbage that you have to curate out of your CRM. And so you might ask, well, Hunter, I don't have time to do that. Neither do I. I don't talk to any leads that don't want to talk to me. I have two wonderful ISAs that have been being trained for the last three years with me. Uh, They are in the Philippines. The combined total, Ryan, is how much that we pay them. $29,000 a year for two full-time employees, 40 hours a week, that are the most wonderful data scrubbers, callers, appointment setters you've ever had. We can have an entire call about ISAs and how to hire them, find them, train them, etc. But you need those. You need that piece because Zillow doesn't hand you a lead right away. The button doesn't get clicked and then they pass you the lead. That lead has been being nurtured by ISAs, for years in many cases. And so my ISAs on average communicate 100 to 200 times with my leads as they're scrubbing out the good ones, melting the bad ones out of the CRM, and then notifying me, hey, Betty Funnel would like you to meet with her tomorrow at two o'clock. I've already put it on your calendar. I see that it was open. Does that work for you? Please confirm. Yes, Sally, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. Please get me their phone number, their email. Have you completed the pre-written questionnaire? And are they these following criteria before the meeting? And it is the same settings and criteria that all of the big companies are using. It's available, you can find them, you can get the scripts, you can tweak it for your local areas. But Brian Short sets up this back netting that you get to dictate what you want. And so I had a meeting with him and I said, these are my areas, these are the different areas that I'll expand into. These are the areas that I really wanna go heavy on. And now you tell me where is the data, What are people searching in these different areas? Let's go spend money here. And then he makes recommendations based on what he sees month to month. And right now we're only about... Probably 120 days in to actually having lead flow because it took a really long time to set up. You know, we were probably 90 days just in setting up the website, setting up Mm -hmm. the nettings, getting everything tied together, making sure that all of the inputs and outputs on the CRM were there. Because if you don't do all of the setup right, then you just build a giant system that you have no control over. And it's impossible to get it off the ground. It's like building a skyscraper where the foundation is the leaning tower of Visa.
1: I love it. All right. Lenora had asked us to, uh, to talk a little about PPC. So if you have specific questions, you can unmute yourself or, uh, report in the chat box, but I think that's a pretty good foundation of w- what you've done in that direction, Hunter. Um, it's, it's really interesting. You, you are highly, it's funny. Hunter's just, he's this charismatic guy, but he's also highly analytical. I hope you guys are getting that both sides, this, this piece of it, um, back on the, uh, we got about 10 minutes back on the, uh, on the relationship side, be almost the opposite. I mean, it, I guess it ties into PPC, but kind of feels like the opposite side to me. I remember when you first said, I don't want to spend all this money on Zillow leads. And you just started taking your past clients and your sphere out to coffee and posting about, or actually it was meals at first. And you started posting about it on Facebook and tagging them. Do you want to talk a little about that? Because I don't know if you continued that, if you stopped it completely, if it kind of evolved. Tell, tell us that concept and what happened with that.
0: So I feel like it got really expensive for meals. And so then I switched to coffees and then I was having like three coffees a day and then I was really, really caffeinated by the end of the day. And I was really anxious because of how caffeinated I was. And so like, it was this combination of, I probably was doing too much of it with my week because I didn't have anything else to do Um, because I had canceled all of my marketing. Like I just like pulled it all at once. And so I went from being busy running on my mill to just like having all of this dead space. And so I was anxious and I know that I need to spend my dead space doing something. I think it worked because enough people started communicating with me naturally that it like pivoted into something else. I don't know that like, I've continued it or that it's really been like a hard part of what I was doing. It was also more for agent attraction than it was for client attraction, because I can pick up the phone and just call any of my past clients and have a five minute conversation. And that's sufficient because what you don't realize is that people are so willing to help you, but they're so inundated with life right now. Like COVID is still happening for a great many people because so many people really lost their jobs, lost a lot of money, lost a lot of control. And I don't think real estate brokers really appreciate the long-standing impacts of how that has have impacted a lot of people. Because we were told on day three of the pandemic, that we were, you know, important workers and, you know, protected, you know, out the yin yang. And so don't touch them. They're fine. Uh, sorry, someone was calling on my phone. Okay, okay, I'm back. There we go. Um, and so I'm finding that a lot of people are still like, tired emotionally and psychologically in a way that when I'm calling them and saying, Hey, how are you? How are you doing? They need a moment to decompress with me because no one has really asked them that. And so even though they're not dealing with COVID stuff, it's just that like life stacked. It's kind of like the dirty dishes in the sink didn't get done for three years, and so now emotionally everyone's needing that time to unpack. And so I don't need to take them to coffee. I don't need to take them to dinner. I need to give them like a five to ten minute counsel session and hear that like the dog shit all over the carpet, and their husband isn't helping them with the dishes, and their kids are going off to college, and they're really sad. And like you know maybe it is time to downsize. And by the way, I have six friends who are also feeling this way. Can we just have a pampered chef party and will you come over? You know. And it's like all of a sudden that conversation affords me the space to say, sure, I'd love to come over, but can you introduce me to these six people? I'd really like to know them. And in that moment, the light bulb switches and they go, oh my God, I'd love to introduce you. But until that moment, even though we've been dancing around the subject, the real estate agent is sitting there thinking, well, if they really loved me or valued me, they'd give me the lead. Did you ask for it specifically with your fucking words? Did you say the words, can I have a lead? And if you didn't, then you have no one to blame but yourself.
1: So so when you say ask with your words, when you say people want to help you, what are you saying? Are you literally just connecting with them being like, hey, do you know anyone who wants to buy or sell a house? Right? What what's what's your style? Hey Jesse, how are you doing this week? I'm is life great. good?
0: I mean I am mean, um, okay. <laughs> is business doing well? You could be yeah. a doctor, lawyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. business is
1: business is a study. I'm always always busy. Awesome. Fantastic. What's your like favorite client right now? My favorite client.
0: Um, I give you a a magic wand and you just tell me what your favorite client is. Three, three top traits, you know, if I could just give you an endless stream of those, what would they be?
1: Oh, I mean, in in terms of patients, I mean, I I love, uh, you know, people who are self-aware who are considerate and, uh, who take care of themselves. Okay, fantastic.
0: So, you know, Jesse, I don't have anyone right now in the books, but I'm really going to be on the lookout for any clients or patients that might fit that criteria. Is it okay if I hand out your cell phone or, or is there a different person at your office that I should be
1: sending them to when I have them? Yeah, yeah. I'll give, I'll give you my, my friend desk person. I'll give you the number. Okay, fantastic. What's your name? Uh, their name is uh, is John. Okay,
0: do, do we know that uh, is, what's John's favorite coffee order? I want to make sure that we can deliver that for him this week from Starbucks.
1: You know, I I don't even know. You'll have to ask John. That's a great question. Fantastic. Is it
0: okay if I call John later today to introduce myself? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Hey, Jesse, it's been really great talking with you. I have a meeting that I'm stepping into. Can I ask you a big favor right now? Sure. We've recently cut all of our marketing budget because we found that being a member of our community and really finding ways to serve the community is being a lot better uh, for us and for our budget. Um, but at the same time, what it means is that I need to ask you if you have, you know, any ability to send me clients. So can I just text you at the end of this call what my ideal client profile is? And if you have anyone that really fits that, would you be willing to introduce me to a couple of people? Absolutely. Fantastic. I really appreciate it. Hey, do you have time to like go bowling next week? Uh, not this week, but next week we could meet you for bowling. Awesome. How's was like Tuesday at six o'clock. All right. That works for me. Fantastic. I'll see you then. I'll text you. Cool. Get off the phone. Go see them for Bowling at Tuesday.
1: I love it. I'm glad wow. I asked that,
0: it's, too. It's such a simple, straightforward conversation. And like, if you're doing it with people that you like, they're going to find business for you. They're going to be talking about it. Their reticular activating system is now on for the rest of the day, looking for your clients. And if they like you and you're not a dumbass, then you're going to get a phone call in the next week i
1: love it i love the way you communicate all right we got we got about five minutes is there anything we didn't go over that because when you talk about it you make it sound so simple right is there anything we didn't talk about that you're like oh i really should communicate this or agents need to know this
0: this is scary and you need to get over it and do it anyway like there's an emotional fear to putting yourself out on the line that none of us have done in a really long time because like technology and systems allow us to bypass all of it. And it means that that muscle is weak. You know, our heart panics, we get tightness in our chest, our heart races, and we go, ah, this is bad. You know, and so I'm going to send you a video from one of my favorite coaches that says our feelings and our actions are not married. They're more like neighbors. You know, we think that the way we feel about something has anything to do with our doing it. And so the way we feel about it controls whether or not we do the thing. And so I'll send the video, you can post it, you can send it out to everyone. But the point is, take the action. If you think that there's an action standing in the way of you and your goal, just take the action, because either you're going to get through your fear and something amazing is going to be on the other end of that. Or you're going to run into a brick wall that's extremely informative about how to get around underneath through it or on top of it. but at the end of the day sitting in the no action puddle going I don't feel like I should do it is extraordinarily unhelpful
1: I love that I, 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 we have a few more minutes of chat. I wish that was the last like minute because I just want to take that clip hunter and do it over and over and over. That was perfect. I know you said you got a clip from your coach but I think you just delivered that pretty pretty darn well. Um, there's a guy do you know who Fred Wilson is who's also a coach? I do not. So Fred Wilson has been on Agent Power Huddle a few times. If you guys haven't seen some of his old episodes, you can go listen to him. But uh, I should reach out to Fred and get him back on. Fred trains a lot of the things that you're talking about that he says there's a handful of people who do them naturally. I wonder if you're one of those people, but he calls it opportunism, where when you're having conversations with normal human beings, most people will miss the opportunities that are being presented that they don't even see it. It's, it's literally, and so he, he actually teaches if you have any, you know, agents that you, you want to go send them to some of his podcasts because he breaks down step by step how to do the thing that you're talking about naturally that you do.
0: I love that. You know, I think a lot of it is human psychology. You know, I, one of my past, you know, joys in life was going to become a, you know, masters in psychology and go become a counselor. And I just love watching people, you know, and when someone's nostrils flare, it means something. When someone twitches, it means something. Uh, I was walking through a house on Saturday with a couple of clients. And it was funny because the husband was just so enthused. He had clearly eaten a protein bar in the car. You know, he was he was on. The wife, her eyes had glazed over differently than the last house. And he starts talking and I go, Wes, I'm gonna need you to stop talking. Cheryl isn't listening to us. And I fear she hasn't been for about one and a half houses. And she turns to me and goes, that's exactly right. It was one and a half houses ago. How did you know? And I go, you have a fogginess about you. That means you're not listening and you don't care. Like you say that you like this house, but I know that you don't. And those moments are pivotal. You need to be paying attention and you need to go for the throat in those moments. Don't let a single moment pass by you. Your client notices that you let it go. And it either means that you didn't notice the moment or you don't care. And so you either didn't notice or don't care. And both of those things are bad. You know, are you incompetent? I hope not. Do you not care? I hope not. And so your client needs to know that you're both competent and that you care. And so you should be paying attention.
1: I, I had to meet myself over and I was laughing too hard. I was not expecting to say, go for the throat. You're talking about this empathetic listening.
0: <laughs> well, and so it is empathetic listening, but it's still like, if you don't have the balls to immediately stand up and say, hey, I don't actually believe what you just said, because you, if you do mean it, please remind your face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I feel like this is why your clients love you though. You have a genuine authenticity about you. And those of you listening, by the way, you don't have to communicate the way Hunter does right you have your own version of it but it's that transparency and the fact that his clients know that he wants what's best for them would you agree with that hunter
0: i think so i really don't pull punches and i let everyone know in the opening meeting i may not be your cup of tea and that's okay but ultimately what you can count on me for is my genuine true opinion and a high level of competency and care and so most people say okay i would rather the rough edges of hunter because i know i'm getting the truth i may not always agree with him but he'll go toe to toe with me. He's not going to pull back and do what I like. He's going to do what I need. And I think that that's like a really important factor of who we are as as brokers. We're representing their financial interests. I have a meeting that I'm going to later today, and it will result in me asking my trainer for the 84th time this probably quarter, why did you buy a $75,000 truck instead of a duplex? That $75,000 truck, was a duplex and your family did not need this truck you have three of them so why did we buy this expensive truck instead of a duplex and i have that conversation every tuesday and thursday for 30 minutes while i'm lifting with her because she doesn't get it yet it is my responsibility to help her family because they didn't need the truck they needed a duplex
1: mm-hmm. that's a, i love this conversation i just want to say thank you for jumping on if people want to uh want to connect with you ask you questions send you business whatever how, how should they find you
0: Um, I will drop my contact
1: info, but my uh, cell phone is probably the very best way. Awesome! Can they find you on social platforms right now? Can they find you on social platforms, or will that do not even check those anymore?
0: Uh, No, I check all of them all the time, and so I am on Facebook most often.
1: And uh, you can just find me, Hunter McKay. Cool. But those of you live here on the Zoom, there's a reason why people should be on the Zoom live, not listen to the podcast. He dropped his cell number in the chat box. So there you go. (laughs) All right, guys, have a wonderful day, Hunter. This is great, dude. Truly. I I just, I I, I miss chat with you. I I love talking to you.
0: I appreciate you. And sorry for the people that have to edit out my swearing.